Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. All right, we're going to jump into something we started last week. We've been talking about heart therapy, talking about getting stronger spiritually. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this time. We appreciate it. We're thankful for what you put in us and the capacity that we have to grow, to become stronger, stronger spiritually, to make a difference, Father, in our world and the world of those around us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you our ears are open tonight. Our hearts are receptive. We believe we'll receive something good. In Jesus' name, you can agree with that. Just go ahead and say amen. Amen. And uh, our text has been Proverbs, the 18th chapter, verses 14, Amplified. This is actually Amplified Classic. I don't even know if it's still in print anymore. But uh, it was Amplified Bible. came out years ago. The strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble, but a weak and broken spirit who can raise up or bear. So we've been talking about the idea that if you get stronger spiritually, it gives you the ability to handle what comes at you in life, even the difficult things in life, to be able to handle it better. When you're stronger spiritually, it doesn't make all your problems go away, but your, your ability to handle them is better. And so we talked about there is a great pattern that's found in the Proverbs, the fourth chapter, and it's in verse 20 through 22. It's a pattern that we've been using to find out how to get stronger spiritually. My son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart for their life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. So it's saying that that word keep means to protect and guard your heart, because out of, out of your spirit is where the issues of life stem from. Now we know this from a, from a spiritual standpoint. You ever been to a funeral? You're looking there, especially the funeral of a believer. You're looking there at them in the casket, and you realize I'm only looking at the shell because they're not there, right? Come on, you're Wednesday night. You know, yeah, yeah, right? That's not them. That's there. That's their shell. They're gone. And, uh, and I don't care how well they did at the funeral home. You know that's not them. And uh, I've, I've always, of course, I've done a lot of funerals. But I'm always amazed at funerals of believers and, and funerals of those who, who don't believe. And the difference is vast. With, with believers, there's this hope that we're going to see them again. And then that's not them. And so their spirit is not there. We have a spirit that's eternal, that lives forever. And so that the spirit of man, we don't talk enough about the spirit of man, but really our spirit is where a lot of strength comes out of. And this, this proverb says, even when you are sick, it's able to sustain you. But when you're, you're weak and broken in your spirit, it makes everything harder. And so we want to talk about how do we get stronger? And so we talked, and I, I won't, I'll recap just real briefly. We talked about God's pattern for a stronger heart and spirit. God's word must be a priority. And last week, begin, we began to talk about connect your word, your, God's word to your vision. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. And uh, we began to say it's important to see ourselves in the light of God's word. Romans 8, 6. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. This whole concept that I'm talking about, we started it last week, that I'm talking about tonight, is, is a spiritual concept. 
and it's a spiritual concept and it's, it's different. Be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. Notice it didn't say to be spiritually minded is weird. Sometimes people think, well, if I'm spiritual, you know, I know spiritual people, Alan, they're weird. They're like, ooh, they're, they're like, ooh, they don't live in reality. They're weird people. No, no, no. Uh, that's, no, they were already weird. Um, <laughs> spiritual people actually are, are very good people to be around because they're genuine and, and they're real. And really being spiritual is being Christ-like. And so, you know, that's really what we're talking about is, is being Christ-like. But here's, here's one of the things. So don't let God's word depart from your eyes. And we talked about the fact that all of us have an image or a vision of how we see ourselves. It's often formed and, and can be formed, depending on your age, by, by the past, by your experiences, by your family, how you grew up, but how you see yourself. It, in fact, a, a lot of times it can be hard words that were said or things that were told you or just flat out lies. And so people oftentimes have an image of themselves that maybe they don't see themselves in a good light. And so when we're talking about being spiritually minded, we're talking about making a shift from thinking of ourselves in light of maybe what we were in the past to what God says about us. And that's a spiritual mindset. The good news is God says a lot of wonderful things about us. When we make Jesus our Lord, we don't just get heaven when we die, although that is wonderful. But there's a change that takes place in us. And God begins to say some things about us. Let's look at Ephesians here. We talked about this last week. We are his worksmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, whether, whether you know it or not, you were created. When you made Jesus your Lord, God did a work in you. You became his worksmanship. His, one translation reads, his masterpiece. And you were created not for failure, not for defeat, not to be beaten down and oppressed in life. You were created for good things. Amen. That's, that's how God created you. Now, the challenge is, if you've been told, if you've been told that you were nothing or nobody, or maybe you've had some knocks in life, or maybe you've had some things happen, or maybe someone's told you that you were unloved, or maybe your, your experience has told you, and you, you hear people, I hate to hear people refer to themselves as a loser, especially as, as a believer, because that's not how God refers to you. But the challenge is, is there often is a contrast between how we see ourselves and what God says about us. And what we have to do, what we're responsible for doing is beginning to begin to discard the old image and to embrace the image of what God says. Because what he says about us is a lot better. You say, well, I don't know how to do that. Well, I'm going to talk about how to do that tonight. But the first thing we have to understand is when we, when we quote in here all the time, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. Obviously, it's not your flesh that became new. If your hair was brown when you made Jesus your Lord, it's still brown, unless you change it. N nothing changes on, on the outside, but on the inside, we become a new creation. Now, the thing about it is, is people say, well, maybe I don't feel like a new creation. But remember, this is not something that's, that's, that's feelings-oriented. This is spiritually-oriented. 
And so a lot of times there's no feelings associated with that at all, but it's truth. And what we have to focus in is truth. Now, one of the things that I wanted to share with you, it's in Colossians. This is beginning to see ourselves and, and see ourselves differently, not planning on being uh, defeated in life or not planning on. And I hear people say, well, you know, I'm just not, I'm just not a good Christian. It doesn't have to be that way. Paul was praying for the church. And by the way, this is, we won't talk, this is a great way to pray for people who you know that are, are believers. And it's also a great way to pray for yourself. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. How many of you think Paul prayed Holy Spirit-inspired prayers? That's a yes answer. And if it's in the Bible, it's inspired. So he prayed the Holy Spirit, and here's what he prayed. To ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, God's will, and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Do you know that's God's will for you? That you would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding? That you may walk worthy of the Lord? Now that's not bad Christian. That's walking worthy of the Lord. You, those of you who are parents, you know, you know that. You ever tell your, hey, listen, we just had a family. All these families, they brought their children down here. Those children are almost, every time when they come down for, for, for child dedication, they're almost always dressed up. You're dedicating their children to the Lord. The one family here had little boys, had little bow ties on. I used to remember those ties. I used to wear clip-on ties. Anybody remember clip-on ties? <laughs> used to have to wear them to church with shoes that... I hated, but uh, they came down here and, and they were dressed up. Why? Because those children represent their parents. So you won't throw, man, when you, you ever told your kids, stand up straight, wipe your nose. You got snot all over your nose. You're walking out in public, act like nobody cares about you. Matt, one time I, I woke up from a Sunday afternoon nap. This was when he was like five and he had escaped out of the house. He had gone. It was in the, it was a, it was a, in the, like a winter afternoon, and I came home from church. I had taught at Lakewood uh, in one of their classes, and I was tired. I went to sleep. I woke up. I like, Joy, where's Matt? Like, I thought you were watching him. I'm like, oh. <laughs> so we'll go outside. It's about 40 degrees, which in Texas, I mean, you know, 40 degrees is cold. Thank you very much. It's <laughs> for those of you watching me in far northern climates. I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. It. <laughs> 40 degrees is cold, so I, I go out, I'm looking for Matt, and I go down the street, and there he is. We had just moved on the block. We hadn't met most of the neighbors yet. Matt's down there in shorts and a T-shirt. <laughs> Snot all over his nose because he's cold. And I'm like, hi, I'm, I'm Matt's parent. And people look at me like, you're a lousy parent, but you are, you are. <laughs> well, on the way back, I'm like, Matt, you don't leave the house. You know, you you let us know before you leave the house. But I was semi-embarrassed that he had gone down to meet the neighbors looking like we didn't care about him. <laughs> because your children represent you. Right? Paul said he's praying that we would be filled with the knowledge of God's will, that we would walk worthy of the Lord. Well, that's a good thought. That we can live in such a way that it honors Jesus. Where'd you go? 
walking worthy? Think about it. He said, I'm praying, guys. I'm praying for you. And he's praying, obviously, he's praying God's will for them. Fully pleasing him. Being fruitful in every good work. Increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Do you realize that's how I pray for you guys? I pray for you, and when I pray for you, I pray this way. Father, would you fill them with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding? Lord, that they will walk worthy of you, fully pleasing you. They'd be fruitful in every good work. That means fruitful in your marriage, fruitful in your job, fruitful in everything you do, that you're fruitful. Pleasing to God. That you would be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. You realize this is God's will for us? This is what he wants for us. But if you think, well, you know, God really doesn't care about me. And God doesn't care what I do. No, he does. And this is what he wants for you. And so, again, what we're having to do is make that transition from how we grew up or what people have said about us or what we said about ourselves to begin to take the idea of, God, we're taking what you say about us, and I realize that's your plan. Now, can I, here's a great way to pray for yourself. Heavenly Father, fill me with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that I would walk worthy of you, fully pleasing you. I'd be fruitful in every good work. I would increase in the knowledge of you that I would be strengthened with all might according to your glorious power to all perseverance and long-suffering with joy giving thanks to you, Lord, because you may be able to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in the light. See, you can pray that prayer for yourself. That's a wonderful prayer. But we're, we're changing. Don't let, remember, don't let God's word depart from your eyes. How do we see ourselves? In light of God's word. You say, well, how, how do we even get there? Here's one of the keys to getting there. Keeping God's word, and these two are connected. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Joshua, the first chapter, verse 8. Here's something God is giving Joshua some instructions. They, they still apply to us today. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. For then you'll make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. I think all of us would like to make our way prosperous and have good success. He told this to Joshua. The same principles apply to us. We could say God's word shall not depart from your mouth. And this, this is the key right here, guys. God's word not departing from your mouth. That's speaking words. We say would not depart from my mouth. Alan, i got to talk to people. I can't quote scripture every time I talk to people. I can't quote the Bible every time I talk to people. That's not what it's talking about. What it's talking about is your words do not differ from what God's word says. In other words, they're congruent. For example, if God says that you are more than a conqueror through him who loved you, and he said that, it's in Romans. It's in the Bible. Trust me. If he says this, then if we're saying, man, I can't get anything right. I'm such a loser. Your, your words didn't correspond with his words. Did you catch that? The challenge is, you say, Alan, this, this is kind of weird. It's not weird, it's different. 
And it's different because we weren't raised this way. Most of us weren't raised. To, and if you grow up in a home where your parents looked at you and said, I want to tell you something, I don't care what anybody says, you are exactly what God says about you and your potential is unlimited because he lives in you and greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And you're going to grow up to be strong and healthy. If, if you grew up in a home like that, you are blessed. You are blessed. Because unfortunately, most of us have grown up and People looked at us and said, well, you never will amount to this, or you can't amount to that, or you can't do this, or can't do that. So we have a good understanding of our limitations. But God told Joshua, he said, don't let your words, don't let his word depart out of your mouth. And if you think about it, if you start to examine your words, you say, why, Alan, why, why are you talking about words? Because the heart-mouth connection is much more powerful than we've given credit for. We live in a world, and, and I've said it, and I say it in jest, and I probably ought to stop saying it, where we say, hey, just say it. And just saying sometimes is our biggest problem. Because what we're saying is totally contrary to what God is saying. Does that make sense? If this is new, please don't, don't throw this away. You're, you're welcome to look at scriptures. But, and, and I wanted to get, because this is so key. I listen to people talk and, and they talk, well, I'm not this or I'm not that. Or, you know, and I, I'm just, you know, I'm getting old. I'll be honest with you, that is one thing you will not hear come out of my mouth. You say, well, you are getting old. Uh, you're right, but I'm going to fight old age with everything I got. And, and, let, and listen, just because I'm getting older doesn't mean I have to give in. They've done studies that said that actually losing your memory is not a natural function of aging. But what, what do we do? What happens is we forget something, we go... Senior moment. I know 20-year-olds having senior moments. But when you're 20, you don't go, senior moment. You just went, dude, I forgot. <laughs> but we talk ourselves into way too much. Instead of, instead, instead of you say, well, you know, Alan, you are going to get old. Yeah, I know it. The Bible said the outward man perishes. But it does say, but the inward man is renewed day by day. And, and that's where a lot of the life source is. But I don't have to aid the perishing part by agreeing with it or just giving into it. That was free. For, for all of you over 60, that was just a free, that was just totally, 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 totally free. But you know, you could be, you know, let's, hey, I know people who are old in their 30s. It's a lot of your heart and attitude. The, you know, when Dr. Rutland, I told Joy the other day, I said, one of the reasons I love to have Dr. Mark Rutland come, I said, one, he's an outstanding preacher. I said, number two is, he, he's 78, but he's young. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He's, he's young. He was a college president. He related to kids. I love that. God's word cannot depart from your mouth. The mouth-heart connection is powerful. Let me show you this. Romans 10, 8. What does it say? It says, the word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. God's word really needs to be two places. It needs to be in our heart, but it also needs to be in our mouth. When I was, when I was battling with my throat, and many of you know that, I completely lost my voice. 
One of the things I began to do, in fact, as I was reading that, the Lord highlighted those scriptures to me, and especially that one. The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. What the Lord spoke to my heart, didn't hear a voice, just he got the message across. He said, if it's not in your mouth, it's not near you. And so what, what I began to do was begin to take, and I doubled up on, I began to take healing scriptures and I began to, to speak and confess what God said about me, not what I felt, not what it looked like. You say, well, Alan, you're in denial. No, I'm not in denial. What I'm doing is, this, remember, this is spiritual. So I'm agreeing with what God says about me spiritually, not what I am naturally. And there's a difference. Say, well, is that weird? No, that's biblical. God started it a long time ago. He started it with Abraham. The story of Abraham, if you know, he's one of the uh, early ones in Genesis that we see. Abraham was, well, he was about 99 years old when the Lord appeared to him and told him he was going to have a, a, a baby. Now, Abraham and his wife, you have to re read the story. Abraham and his wife, Sarah, had never been able to have children. And God told him when he was 75 that he was going to have uh, children. And Sarah got this bright idea that it would, because she couldn't have kids, it would be through her maid Hagar. And that's a mess. We're still dealing with it today. Uh, the whole Middle East came out of that. Then Abraham, so God's talking to him. Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant, my agreement is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer, now catch this, no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make nations come of you and kings shall come from you. Did you catch what he said? God said, I have made you a father of many nations. If you'll read the Bible, listen to how many times God speaks in past tense. He says, I've already done this. And we're looking at him going, eh, you know, but Abraham, Abraham, he said, no, your name's not Abram anymore. He said, now you have to call yourself Abraham, which means father of a multitude. So what, what God did with Abraham is he changed his name. So no longer would he call himself Abram and, and and Abram was serious about this. So I'm sure he had a lot of people that worked for him. And I'm sure they like Abram. He's like, no, no, no. God's given me a new name. It's Abraham, father of a multitude. And I'm, I'm sure they went, he was the boss. I'm sure they went, yes, sir, Abraham. They probably walked out and their eyes rolled. Oh, great. <laughs> but God changed his name. So stay with me on this. He changed his name and changed what he began to call himself. He said, I've, I've got... I'm going to make you the father of, of multitudes. Nations will come from you. And then he kept talking to him. Verse 17. I mean, I'm sorry, 15. And God said to Abram, as for Sarai, or Sarai, whatever her name is, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name, which means princess. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. And I will bless her and she shall be the mother of nations. Kings of people shall be from her. Then Abraham fell on his face. I want you to catch this. Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, shall a child be born to a man who's 100 years old? And so Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child. I love the fact that they put that in there. 
Because the Bible calls Abraham the father of our faith. <laughs> now listen, catch this. Which means you don't always have to start off in faith to get in faith. It's not where you start. It's where you finish. It's where you wind up. And the fact is he laughed in his heart. He's pretty smart. He's like, he ain't laughing to God. He's like. But in his heart, he's like, it's, it's a, I'm going to have a child. I'm 100 years old. And Sarah, and Sarah. So what did he do? So he changed Abraham's name. Now Abraham's calling himself, I'm father of a multitude. Calling Sarah princess, mother of nations. And he said, you're going to have a child. He began to change their word. And even though Abraham did not start in faith, he got in faith. Now, here's what I'm saying. When you begin to say things about what the Bible says about you, you may think the same thing. The Bible says you're more than a conqueror through him who loved you. You may say that and go, I'm not more than a conqueror. I'm a doofus. I've been a doofus, a spiritual doofus all my life. Just go... And if you'll, if you'll not give up on it and you'll begin to say that, it'll lodge in your heart. And here's the deal. You're not lying because you're not talking about who you are naturally. You're talking about who you are spiritually. And it's different. And it's, it's better. Now let me... Does this make sense? Is it too weird for you? You're still here. Okay, all right. Now, I, I want to give you a couple of verses, and I, I want to show you how this, how this can work. Here's just a, a, a couple of things that you, can, that you can say. Abraham didn't start out, but so here's my thing. We need to do what Abraham, we need to call it like God calls it. Abraham changed it, and he changed his name. God, you, if you say I'm father of, of a multitude, <laughs> I'm 100 years old, I'm father of a multitude. <laughs> okay, Lord, I'm going to say the same thing. And after a while, he got to believe the fact he flat believed it. And Sarah, actually, when, when, the, when the Lord told Sarah, she, she laughed too. She laughed in her tent stuff. She laughed out loud. The Lord said, why did Sarah laugh? Sarah's like, I didn't laugh. She said, yeah, you did. <laughs> How many of you know it's, it's pointless to lie to the Lord? <laughs> but, but, but listen to this. Starting, we need to call it like God calls it. Starting with ourselves. I want to give you two things. Here's the first one. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Okay, now leave that up there just for a second. Who's in Christ Jesus? We are, you are. If you've made Jesus your Lord, you're in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. So here's what we could say. Because how many people have said this? Man, I've got this problem. I can't beat this problem. I can't beat this problem. I just got this, this, there's this sin in my life and it kicks my tail. And every time I try to think I'm going to get over it and I don't get over it and it just keeps kicking my tail. And I don't know why I got this problem. I asked God to take this problem away from me and he won't take it away from me. So I guess I got this problem all my life. I'm going to have this problem. I got this problem. I got this problem. I got this. But what if you begin to say, Lord, I want to thank you that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Amen. 
Now, when you first say it, you might look, in your, look at yourself in the mirror and go, Phew. But you know, if you keep saying that, it's going to rise up in your heart. And you're going to realize, I don't, that sin that dogged my tracks does not have power over me. Amen. He bore my sins and in his own body on the tree that I being dead to sin, I could live for righteousness. By his stripes, I'm healed. We focus on the by his stripes, I'm healed. We also ought to focus on the fact that I'm dead to sin and I'm alive to God and I'm alive to righteousness. But here's the deal. If you don't begin to say that about your life, it becomes, it's a far off thing. Saying it brings it near you. The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. So you can begin to say that. Well, I said it for three weeks and I still have the sin problem. <laughs> you got to stay with it more than three weeks. Anything worth, anything worth achieving is worth giving some good effort to. Hey, listen, a lot of you, you know people right now that got saved about the same time you did and they're away from God and the only difference between you and them is you stayed with it. You just didn't quit. Right? That's half the key to marriage. I'm not quitting. Are you quitting? No? Okay, we're in. <laughs> okay, let me give you another one. See if you like this one better. But do you see the value in this right here? Instead of saying, I got this problem, I got this problem, I got this problem, why can't we say what God says? The law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Say, Alan, that doesn't seem real to me. I know it doesn't seem real. Not when you first begin to say it, but if you continue to say it, it is spiritual truth and it will get in you. And then that temptation will rise up and you'll go, wait a minute, I'm free from this. Amen. Keith Moore's a friend of ours and uh, said he had a guy came to him and just said, Brother Keith, I'm, just, I'm, I'm hooked on nicotine. I've tried to quit cigarettes. I've tried to quit cigarettes. I've tried to quit cigarettes. I am hooked on cigarettes. I've tried to quit. I'm just addicted. I'm addicted. Keith said he must have said I'm addicted to nicotine about 15 times in a five-minute conversation. And Keith, Keith said, well, you do what I ask you to do. The guy said, please don't ask me to throw my cigarettes away. I've thrown so many cigarettes away and backed up the car and tried to go find them in the grass. Please don't make me do that. <laughs> he said, no, no, I'm not going to make you do that. He said, he, said, every time, he said, every time you take a puff and open and get a new cigarette, he said, I want you to say, thank you, Lord, I am free from nicotine. Thank you, Lord, I'm free from cigarettes. He said, but I'm smoking. He said, I know you're smoking. He said, just, just do it. Will you do it? <laughs> he said, the guy came back about three weeks later and just, he, he walked in the room. As soon as he walked in, he, lit up, he just lit up like a neon light. He said, he said, guess what? He said, guess what? He, he said, you're free from nicotine. He said, I am free from nicotine. <laughs> he said, I got to be, he said, when you first told me, he said, I thought that's kind of a stupid idea. He said, but I figured I tried everything else. Might as well try this. He said, so I began to say, he said, it became a habit with me. I'd open up. He said, I'm a, he was a chain smoker. He said, I'd tap one out in the morning. Thank you, Lord, I'm free from cigarettes. He said, I'd stub one. He said, I'd light one with another one and say, thank you, Lord, I am free from cigarettes. He said, I said it so much. He said, it just got to be a habit. He said, I was standing on a street corner. He said, and I, I threw the cigarette in the curb and said, thank you, Lord, I'm free from cigarettes. He said, it just dawned on his spirit. He said, I hadn't touched another one since. The, the law, listen. That's not weird, it's spiritual. The law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. You're free whether you know it or not.
but we might as well just begin to agree with God. Last one, I'll, I'll give you, you can think about this one. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. If you've been born again, you've been born, you're born of God, which means you're a world overcomer. That means all the negativity, all the trash, all the junk, all the fear, all the oppression, all the stuff that's in the world, you overcome it. So, Alan, no, I'm, I'm, Alan, I'm over. Mm, 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 mm. That's who you are in the natural, but remember, we're talking spiritual. And you are an overcomer. But wouldn't that be better than keep calling yourself a mess? God, I'm just such a mess. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Ever done that? Just, you do something, you're like, stupid, I'm just stupid, I'm just stupid. No, you're, you're an overcomer in Christ. And the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus made you free from the law of sin and death. Is this making more sense? Good, good. I'm telling you, this will help you. The word is near you, in your heart and in your mouth. So, Alan, if I say this at work, don't say this at work. Say this in your private time. Make it a part of your private. Don't walk into office tomorrow and go, I want to tell you guys something. The law of spirit life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law. Live it out before you shout it out, will you? How's that? Bow your head just for a second. Father, thank you for this. Thank you. Your word is life to us. Thank you for what you are doing in us and through us and that our capacity in Christ is so much greater than what we've recognized, but we are waking up to it and it's changing us. And we give you all the praise for that. If you came this evening and said, Alan, I don't have a relationship with the Lord. I know it and he knows it. Or you've been, you said, I used to have one. I've walked away from God and I want to come back. We're going to say a prayer. I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to have you come to the front. But this prayer is for you. You're watching online. This prayer is for you. If you're one of the ones I'm talking to tonight, you say, will you pray for me? Quickly, just shoot your hand up across the auditorium and say, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Got you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Appreciate your courage. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. If you didn't lift your hand, you're still not too late. We're going to pray this prayer with you as a church family. Say, dear God. I know mankind needs a savior. And I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I, can, I confess you as my Lord, as my savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer, for those who come out of darkness into light, and for those who've come back home. Father, we rejoice with them in the wonderful things that you have planned, the good works you have planned for them. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message has blessed you. Don't forget to check us out on all the social platforms. We're uploading encouraging content on a regular basis. For more information, go to thearcchurch.com. Have a great week.